0: welcome to beyond the sales floor i'm your host morgan j ingram and what we're going to be doing is unveiling and unpacking sales playbooks from enterprise sales leaders on today's episode i have ali McManus, fun last name <laughs> the global revenue enabled leader at demand base and what we talked about today is number one how you should build coaching plans for your managers so that they can coach effectively also how do you build out a 30 60 90 plan that does not get completely broken across the board and how do you create consistent feedback loops so everyone is informed prepared and confident check out this episode I know you'll love it we always start off with this first question which is which always has some fun answers what's an experiment you're running right now that you're excited about
1: so this is a fun uh, one to answer. We discovered that a lot of our training wasn't sticking when we were having like leaders present it. So what we started doing when we want to teach something new, we're seeing how it works, but we take like one person on the team, so think like a peer, and we teach them how to do something, and we have them teach their peers about it. Uh, and so right now, we're seeing if that kind of helps with retention, and I'm kind of excited to see the results.
0: Okay, uh, so this just is starting. How did you decide on who to pick?
1: So we look at uh, two varieties of SDRs. (laughs) One is either SDRs that are already actively doing the thing that we want to empower the field to do, (laughs) uh, because usually they have results to speak to. Or second category is like, you know when you have like the senior SDRs who've been in seat for a while, they get bored, they want some extra responsibility. We've been empowering them to take some ownership there. So it's usually one of those two.
0: I like that. We'll, we'll, we'll come back and see the results from that if it starts landing more. Uh, I, I did that when I was a manager too. Like no one was really listening, even though we were saying the right things, right? So we had reps starting to do it on a bi-weekly basis and we saw results from it. So looking forward to seeing what happens on that. But let's stick into, let's go into like what you already talked about, which is coaching. But from your perspective, it's a core passion of yours. And I just want to get an understanding of what makes you like coaching.
1: So- I am a um, rep first enabler. <laughs> and so there's you know, a big difference between coaching and enablement. Enablement's broader, but coaching is when you're focusing in on developing an individual rep. So for me, especially with my newer hires, what makes me passionate about it is you're able to more directly impact somebody where they themselves are struggling. And I like watching the disconnects disappear. So that's kind of where I'm at on that one.
0: No, and that kind of leads into like my next question here is, could you give me a high-level overview of the playbook that you have for coaching and training, but really more coaching, and how do you make sure that they are connecting the dots across the board?
1: So, for my newer reps or my more tenured?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So, let's go with newer reps and then let's tenured, because they tend to be a little bit more stubborn. So, let's go into that, too.
1: So, um, my newer reps are with me um, pretty consistently for their first 90 days, right? And for their entire first month, they see me almost every day, which means I can pretty clearly see like where the gaps are as they start ramping and getting accounts. So for every new SDR that starts, their coaching plan is kind of custom tailored, depending on where their gaps are. I work with their manager. We come together on a plan of attack, usually involving like role play, teach backs there's usually at least two of each of those components for each category, be it if there's a disconnect on like cold call methodology or like persona, knowledge, product, whatever it is. It's usually one of those three categories. Mm -hmm. And then we come back at the end of the month and we see where they are on that one. And if they're good, it's a checkbox. They're good to go. We don't touch it for a while. And we move on to the next topic. For my more tenured reps, theirs are more manager driven. And where I think my SDR manager team does a really great job, every rep has like, quarterly coaching plans where they're actively working on specific things for each individual rep that they need to improve. Even like from the top performing reps to the bottom of the pack, everyone has one.
0: Okay. So you said things. I want to dive a little bit more into that because when most people think about coaching, they just think about skills. I think coaching goes beyond that. It's the mindset. It's how you carry yourself, etc. So as you're thinking about the things that they're looking at on a quarterly basis, is it just the skills? How do you, how is a manager analyzing those skills? Do you have to get the rep to agree on those the skills you need to work on together? Because self-awareness plays into this. What are the things that you're paying attention to here for these quarterly plans?
1: So they are um, looking at the skills, yeah. So things from like how they're doing with their cold call conversions to what their emails look like. But there's also like plans for things like confidence. So getting more confident when you're speaking to prospects, if that's where you're struggling or uh, professional development. So if people have goals, we kind of coach around those. If they want to be in operations one day, for example, we encourage them to take a pavilion course or something like that. So it's very like rep focused on both skill and development.
0: Okay. So we, we talked about the tenured reps. Let's go back to the newer reps. What's onboarding look like from a 30, 60, 90 view?
1: Ah, I love this one. So for their first 30 days, uh, they They don't have accounts. (laughs) They're literally just.
0: (laughs) No account. You you, you do nothing. (laughs)
1: Nothing. You're onboarding for your first 30 days.
0: Hey, I like it.
1: Um, And we've broken it into four categories because I'm not sure how much you know about my company, but we have a plethora of product suites, a lot of key personas. There's a lot of information for people to absorb mm-hmm. in that period of time and start I'm to- ver- really I'm very, I'm,
0: well, well. fun fact, I'm very, very familiar with dem- demand base because I used to work at Terminus. So I'm very familiar. <laughs> I
1: mean, know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I know. I know. But continue.
1: Yeah. But we have, so across revenue onboarding, we've broken onboarding into uh, four categories. We call them the, the four Ps, right? So we've got product, personas, peers, which is the only P word that worked for competitors. So uh, process is the fourth one. So product, persona, peers, process. We start with personas because we think it's important to understand our buyers and what they care about. So we give you the fundamentals. We run like persona sessions with our own internal stakeholders. We do some like wheel-based teach backs where we spin a wheel, lands on a persona, and you have to tell me what they care about, what their KPIs are. Then we move into product training where we have, like, your own pace LMS kind of stuff as well, but we also have, like, live product demonstrations, individual one-on-one teach backs, things like that. Third week, we pull in product marketing to start going through competitive differentiators, competitive swap stories, and that's when we start to pull in a lot more of the role play, right? So you have the competitor knowledge now. You know the product. We've done personas let's start these mock interactions. So we do some cold calls, we do mock discoveries, we start getting them comfortable talking through the things they've already learned. And then we dive into process. How do I use outreach? How do I create an SQL basic process stuff for week four before they go live with their account?
0: <laughs> so what do you do in a scenario in onboarding if someone is really good at a mock scenario, but they're bad at tech, and vice versa. Maybe they're great at the tech, but their skills are off. How how does that derail the person? How do you how do you go about that? I'm I'm curious.
1: So I think that's where um, that's where the coaching I talked about with new reps comes in. Right. I've had that happen very recently, actually. I had a rep who was absolutely crushing it uh, in every mock scenario we gave them, but could not for the life of them remember how to create in SQL. like it's, It was stuff like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. um,
1: so all of our one-on-ones became not me reprimanding them and telling them how to do it again, same with their managers, but making them go through, click through step-by-step and show us how to do it until it finally clicked. And we did that with every tech process that was kind of a struggle. So be it, you know, using outreach to like just use outreach period, um, any sort of tech gaps, we focus in on those in their one-on-one training. We also leverage a tool internally in the enablement team called Tango, um, okay. which has like click through trainings. It's like how to guides where it literally shows you where to click. So I've also created tangos for processes that trip up the tech um, challenge is not the word I want to use, but like where that's the gap for them.
0: Tango. Shout out to Tango. I've never heard that before, but that, I like that. And so it's a pretty cool tool. Yeah, I know, I mean, it it sounds great. So you have all these different functions to get people to onboard efficiently. You have different quarterly plans that you have. Sounds like feedback is extremely important. Are there other feedback loops that you're incorporating from the enablement side and helping your managers incorporate so that everyone knows what's going on and you can improve and get better?
1: Yeah, so you remember at the beginning of the call when I told you that onboarding is never finished?
0: Yeah, Um. (laughs) Yeah. yes.
1: So every single rep, when they complete onboarding, I have two different touch points with them. One, when they're done their first month, I I have them give it to me. Uh, If something should have been in week three, but it was in week one, I move it. If they think that I should have had more material around a certain product, I add it. If they think something they didn't really get value out of it, I delete it. So I do all of that at the very end of their onboarding so that it's changed for the person that comes after them and then I ask them that same question again a month after they get accounts. So once they've been working accounts and actually Mm -hmm. like actively doing their role, I ask again, what do we need to add? What did you end up not using? Where are the gaps? And we create content, update, move things around for the reps that come after them. So onboarding has that feedback loop. Um, For our regular enablement cadences, it's either survey-based or we have a really incredible leadership team that meets with our reps regularly, like, um, to get feedback on how things are working. I'm talking like my VP has done closed door sessions with our SDRs to ask like what they need and what else we can do to support them. Um, and so we take the feedback from those and we build enablement plans for like the next year for their regular training cadences. It's kind of a constant feedback loop here.
0: Okay. No, I, I really like that piece. And one thing I want to go back to that I just wrote down here is you're, you're letting the reps tell you exactly what to do when you make those changes. Now, here comes the question though. How do you make sure that the feedback is valid or invalid?
1: So I don't have them tell me one-on-one. I ask when there's like three or four of them in a group. Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) There ends up being some debate amongst them sometimes like, Somebody told me a certification didn't help them at all. They're like, this was a waste of my time. It was four hours. But then somebody else was like, no, it was a good use of my time, but I wasn't ready for it in week one. So then I let them debate it and we came to like a unanimous consensus and put it somewhere else in the plan. So it's a little okay. bit of a collaboration on the feedback.
0: Okay, okay. That makes sense because because I would assume that if it was one-on-one, some people's feedback could just be invalid feedback. Not to say that that person isn't valid. The feedback that they're giving just isn't valid to the scenario. You're like, well, okay, like that's just unique to you. Like it works for ninety nine percent of the people here, and so that's the reason why I asked that question.
1: Yeah, no, completely valid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's go into the next point, which is like data points. Like as you're coaching, what are data points that you're paying attention to? What are managers paying attention to? Obviously, you mentioned skills. You mentioned getting confidence up, but maybe there's some other like metrics that you're looking at.
1: Yeah. um, So our managers are paying very close attention to their reps. They're looking at their stats at the very least weekly. But um, if we see that a rep is struggling either with their open rate or maybe they're not calling people like they should be, uh, we dive into not just the metric itself, but the why. So if there's a rep who has like 10 calls on the week, maybe they're not confident speaking on the phone. They're not comfortable speaking live. They like the time to think out and write emails. We dive into that and we figure out how to coach to the confidence piece I mentioned earlier. Um, So it's largely skills-based, but there's kind of an underlying personal component there too.
0: Okay. And when you're looking at coaching as a whole, what are some things that people are doing absolutely wrong right now?
1: like across the industry, across the board? Just across
0: the board. I mean, you don't have to call like people out like, Hey, like Sally on my team's doing this really bad. Like, I'm not saying that I'm just saying like holistically across the board, what are people doing that? Like you're hearing or someone's like, yo, like, that's what you should not be doing right now.
1: I actually just had a conversation about this with um, a colleague who works at another company where a lot of people are looking at coaching holistically and not individually. So they're looking at larger systemic issues within the organization. Like if we're missing pipeline and we see like five people who are hitting their number or sending out 300 emails, we assume Mm -hmm. that the solution is to do 300 emails and we start coaching everyone who's not doing that to alter their behavior to fit like this cookie cutter pattern. So I think one of the larger issues with coaching is that we focus too broadly and not on the individual rep themselves.
0: Why do you you think that is? You think people just want to create that? from a broad perspective, just to to do it as a checkbox? Like, okay, we did it. Like, why do people do that approach?
1: I think it's easier. And um, whenever you're looking at implementing a coaching strategy or a plan, especially for the first time, you're going to take the route that seems the most scalable. So it's just like a common first-timer mistake. Um, It's a lot more work to go in and do like individual-focused, route-oriented coaching and coaching plans. So I think it's because it's easier. People default to it.
0: Yeah. It it, it it definitely is more work. There's a reverse to it, right? It's more work if you took a holistic approach and then the people that you should have been coaching one-on-one leave and now you have to do more onboarding, right? And you have to like spend more resources trying to bring people in and now they're all over the place. So I, I I would believe that the individual work that you've developed and what you are doing is more impactful than looking at it from a broad sense.
1: Yeah. hundred percent.
0: And so as we... As we like are wrapping up here, what would be like some great advice you would give to? I mean, you kind of already gave some advice there, but some great advice you give to leaders and people in that, that, that could really want to, to refine their coaching strategy.
1: Get into the field and talk to your sellers. Um, a lot of them have really great ideas around how to empower both themselves and their peers. So, whenever you start to think about building out a coaching strategy, I, I think it should be rep focused and built, honestly. Work with them to build that plan.
0: Awesome. Well, Ali, thanks so much for taking time today to talk to us about coaching, some strategies people can go implement, some experiments that you're doing as well. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And again, thanks so much.
1: Thank you.